want you to take your Bibles, turn with me tonight to Matthew chapter 15. You got your Bible with you? Let's turn to Matthew chapter 15. <clears throat> Always go back to the, so this is the only line of work where you can have one book that'll last you your whole life. <laughs> I've got some preacher friends that are using other books. I think they're making a great mistake. I think this needs to be the book that carries us till the day we see Jesus face to face. Matthew chapter 15. Now tonight we're going to talk about darkness. I want to talk to you about darkness and uh, faith in the darkness. Anybody here ever been in the darkness? By darkness I mean you didn't understand what was going on. We're going to talk about darkness tonight. What happens when you find yourself in the darkness? When nothing makes sense? Have you ever been at a place in your life where you didn't understand God? Good. That's what we want to talk about tonight is when you don't understand him, when nothing makes sense and you're in the dark about situations. We want to read tonight about a lady, and this is a very uh, important, a very unusual lady in the Bible. There were only two people in the Bible that Jesus said they had great faith. Now, Jesus often gauged people's faith. He said to Simon one time when he couldn't walk on water, you, you have no faith. He said to his disciples one time when they couldn't help a boy, he said, your faith is small. But only twice did he say, you have great faith. He said it to this woman in Matthew 15, and he said it to a centurion. Isn't it strange that the only two people Jesus ever said had great faith were not even Christians or people of God. Both of them were Gentiles. But this is a woman who displays what we call great faith. We can learn a lot from this. But we want to talk tonight about when you find yourself in the dark. It begins in Matthew chapter 15. Let's read it. Verse 21. Matthew 15, 21. Then Jesus went out from there and departed. So he's traveling to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Matthew 15, 21. And a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried to him saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon possessed. So this lady had a daughter. We don't know what the problem was. We don't know if it was a physical sickness because numerous places right in these pages here, Jesus heals people of sicknesses because they were demonized. And uh, we don't know whether it was that. We don't know whether she was, uh, it was an emotional or mental, but somehow she, this girl was demonized and it was destroying her. So this lady comes to Jesus and begins to beg him to help her family or help her daughter. <clears throat> Verse 23, <clears throat> Jesus answered her, not a word. He didn't speak to her. He wouldn't answer her. His disciples came and urged him saying, send her away because she what? So she's desperate, isn't she? she in other words, she's, she keeps on asking Jesus. And she's not only asking, she's very emotional. She's crying out. Help, you've got to help my daughter. You've got to help my daughter. I'm not sure what she's saying, but she was crying out. He answered her, verse 24, and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. What did Jesus say? I can't help your people because, you know, we read in scripture earlier that she was a Canaanite and Jesus said, I was only sent to help the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So he tells her, God turns around and tells her, I can't help you. I didn't come to help your people. I came only to help uh, the people of Israel. Then she came and worshiped him. Let me just ask you a question. How many of you, if Jesus said, I'm not going to help you, would go up and ask him again? She came and worshiped him saying, Lord, help me. He answered her and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. <clears throat> We're already in a dark place here, aren't we? Uh, she just keeps on and he won't answer. And then finally he said, I didn't come to help you. And she starts all over again and says, you, you, you got to help me. And he, and he said this, it is not right to take the children's bread. Now what you don't understand that, that, that deliverance belongs to the children of Israel. And he said, I can't take what God's designated for the children of Israel and throw it to who? That was the racial slur of that day for those people. Uh, and that was what they were commonly known as because Jewish, the Jewish community looked down their nose at these people. And that was the racial slur that they used. And Jesus said, I can't take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And he used the common slur of that day. Verse 27, she said, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. I don't know what she's got, but I want it. Verse 28, then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. I would say so. Let it be to you as you desire. Her daughter was healed that very hour. 
How many of you would have give up when he didn't answer? How many of you give up when your prayer's not answered to start with? How many of you give up if, if he said it's not for you? How many of you would give up if God offended you? She didn't do it. Well, you say, well, Brother Brown, I don't think she knew the Bible. I know she didn't know the Bible. You know how I knew it? Wasn't written. She just, she didn't, she didn't have the training that you and I do. She didn't understand things like we do. She just knew, now she did have faith. Would you agree with me she had faith? Where'd it come from? Because see, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. She didn't have that. How'd she get this faith? And let me tell you something, hers was not a head faith. There was something in here on fire. Hers was a heart faith. Because the Bible said in Romans 10, 10, with the heart man believeth. And a lot, what, a lot of what we're passing off as faith today is simply intellectual knowledge. There's a big difference in knowing a Bible verse in your head and having it burning in your heart. The truth. And this woman in her heart, where'd she get that from? She heard people talk about him. She had to have. Because what'd she call him? The son of David. Well, you know, that means you're the son of God. That was the term for son of God. She'd heard that there was a man from Israel, that he was walking around and he could heal people. He could lay his hands on them and they could be healed. Well, she hears this and she's got this daughter. And so that's where her faith had to come from because you can't have faith unless you hear about Jesus. Faith can only come from hearing. And this hearing set her heart on fire and she believed what she heard about this man and she believed he'd help her daughter. So she goes and she goes to see him and she did not make a polite request, did she? And that's where this faith came from. And Jesus said she had tremendous faith and, uh, to help her. She had great faith. Now, <clears throat> would you agree with me that her faith was tested severely? You ever had your faith tested? Listen, have you ever prayed and, nothing, and, and nobody answered? How many of you have ever had a prayer that was not answered? Was her prayer not answered? Listen to what it said. She cried out to him. He answered her not a word. God wouldn't speak to her. You ever been there? That is a test of your faith. Did she say, thank God she didn't know any preachers. Thank God she'd never been to seminary or had any books. See, she'd ask a preacher, said, I asked, he didn't answer. He said, well, then it's not the will of God, go home. She didn't know that kind of stuff. All she knew was that man can heal and I'm going to get to him. And when God didn't answer her, she didn't stop. And that, that tested her faith. But what happened? That faith held up, didn't it? It just hung in there. Have you ever heard this before? Jesus said to her, I was not sent for people like you. I help those people, the sons of Israel, but I don't help you. Have you ever heard this in your heart before? I know God's helped other people, but probably not me. They're probably better people than I am. They probably deserve. I've heard people say with my ears, I hear it all the time. I actually heard this not long ago. I know they deserve a miracle, but I don't. And this thing she heard, I'll help other people, but not you. You ever heard that? Your faith's going to be tested right there. And what'd she do in spite of, she said, I don't care who you go help. I'm going to keep asking. And she began to ask. And then to top it all off, even in that great faith, God offended her. Tried to. Did she let the offense when God didn't answer her and didn't, didn't talk to her right? Did she let that stop her? See why this is called great faith? You say, well, Brother Brian, there's nothing fancy about that. She just wouldn't quit. Ding. Why have we made this thing so complicated? Why have we made this so, I think it's preachers probably. Too many seminaries, too much thinking, not enough believe in the Bible. And this woman just would not turn loose of God. I didn't care. You offend me. I won't turn you loose. Remember what Jacob said, or Job said, you slay me. I'm going to worship you. Jacob said, I will not turn you loose till I get what I want. Now, some of you would think I would never talk to him like that. You look all through the Bible. God seemed to like it when people said, I don't care what's happening. I will not turn you loose till you answer my prayer. One of the great passages in the Bible, Jacob wrestled all night and the angel said, let me go. And he said, I will not turn you loose until you answer my prayer. And his hip was broken. His hip was put out of socket, excuse me, put out of socket. And the angel said, your name is going to be changed because you have what? You have wrestled with God and you've hung in there and you've prevailed and he answered his prayer. And let me tell you what small faith is. It's when nothing happens and we give up. Great faith is when you will not turn loose. No matter, even if heaven's silent, I'm not going to quit. 
I'm going to hold on. And her faith was greatly tested tremendously. Now, <clears throat> but she kept believing. I don't know how she did this. I don't know that I could have heard God say to me, it's not for you. And me keep saying, yes, it is. But she did it. You said, well, she bound to have made him mad. Looks to me like he liked it. Y'all, y'all, please listen to me. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. What you think would offend him, he probably likes. But apparently he liked this and he rewarded this faith, did he not? All right. Now, let me do a little theological thing here with you for a minute. Do you think she aggravated Jesus into answering her? How many of you think she just wore him down? Finally, he said, heal the chick. (laughs) Heal her so she'll leave me alone. How many of you think that's what happened? No. I've heard people say she just wore him out. Really? She, she, didn't, she didn't beg God till he got tired and said, if it'll get you out of here, I'll give it to you. I want to show you something crazy. We read in the first verse that we read, the Bible said that Jesus went out from there, there, and went to Tyre and Sidon. Got it? Now, where's there? Well, you'd have to look back and don't look it up, but in chapter 14, he was ministering in an area called Genesaret. It said he went to the region of Genesaret and he was ministering and he got in a confrontation with preachers there. And that's what's happening. And then all of a sudden, he's been in Genesaret for about two chapters now. And it said he went from Genesaret there to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Now, if you had a map and you could look on that map, you'd see Israel. You'd see in the, I'm looking at you backwards, you'd see in the north, uh, east side of Israel is a lake called, or a big sea called the Sea of Galilee. You ever heard of the Sea of Galilee? A lot of his ministry is around the Sea of Galilee. Genesaret is not a city, it's a region, like a county around the north west corner of the Sea of Galilee. So he's on the Sea of Galilee. The Bible said he left there, went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Look at something with me. And uh, as soon as he healed her, verse 28 said, you healed, got great faith. Verse 29, Jesus departed from there, skirted the Sea of Galilee and went up on the mountain and sat down there. You say, what are you you talking about? Jesus was on the Sea of Galilee. He left, went immediately to the region of Tyre and Sidon, interacted with this woman, healed her daughter, turned around and came right straight back. But he came around the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the mountain plain. The closest point in that region is 40 miles is 50 miles to Sidon. Here's my point. Jesus left where he was at. He, didn't, he had to walk. He either walked or rode a donkey, and he made an 80-mile round trip just to heal this woman's daughter, turned around and came straight back. He went up there to heal her. You know why he went up there and healed her, her daughter? Because God told him to. John chapter 5 said this. Jesus said, I do nothing until I see my father do it. I don't do anything unless I see my father do it. And the father loves the son and shows him what he's doing. And whatever I see the father doing, that's what I do. Jesus was ministering in Genesaret and God spoke to him and said, go to the region of Tyre and Sidon. I'm going to heal a girl there and I want you to, I want to use you to do it. Go up there. He went up there, healed this girl, come around, turn, turn around, came straight back. That was probably a four day journey on foot, 80 to hundred mile round trip. You say, what's the point? If he went all the way up there just to heal that girl, what's all this not answering her stuff? What's all this? Why did he say, I, didn't, I don't help your people if he went up there to do it? Why did he talk to her like that? You know what the answer is? I have no idea. That's the whole point of what we're talking about tonight. I have no idea. And we have reduced this great God down to a God we can understand in this land. You'll never figure him out. This doesn't make a bit of sense, does it? How many of you believe that when she had heard about Jesus and how he laid his hands on people and he healed them, how many of you believe that when she went up to him and, and how many of you know this is, not a, this is not a cold Bible story? Have you ever had a sick child? Really sick? What did that do in your heart? This woman is very tender emotionally right now. I mean, she's, she's suffering and she goes to God and she asks for help and he, did, he just stands there and won't even answer her. Would you call that being in the dark when you pray and don't get an answer? I would. How about when you have a need for a family member or yourself or something and you pray and you feel like he's going to help everybody else, but he won't help me. Would you call that being in the dark? God offends you. That don't put you in the dark. Here's my point. 
If you think you can figure him out, you'll never be able to walk by faith. You will never understand this great God that we follow. And, but this woman did not let her head and her logic get in the way of her heart following the man she needed a miracle from. He's, he's much bigger than our little puny brains. I love the story of a man named, you ever heard of George Washington Carver? This might be half. He's the, uh, the black scientist that helped reconstruct the South after the Civil War. He was brilliant, but he, he blamed it all on God. And he said that God taught him everything he knew. And he said, I take my uh, notebook and I go in the laboratory and God shows me things. And I read in his biography an instance where he said, I was praying one day and I said, he was a devout believer. He said, God, he said, teach me about you. And he said, God spoke to me and said, that's way too big for you, little man. He said, ask me for something else. And he said, I asked God, then teach me about me. God spoke to me and said, that's still way too big for you, little man. He said, ask me for something. He said, I asked God, will you teach me about a what? Peanut. And he said, I took my notebook in the laboratory and God taught me 200. He said, God showed me 200 different ways to use the peanut. And of course, he was the ag scientist to help reconstruct the South as God showed him. Then was I, we have got to get this great God we serve big again, above our thinking. And this woman was so, her faith was tested so greatly, but she didn't wear Jesus out. He came to do that. Now I'm going to make an announcement. There's some things you just can't explain. But you can't let it rock the faith you have in him. And just because you can't understand it don't mean that you can't believe. Do you understand that you can believe as she did? Well, faith is just believing. You can believe when you don't understand. You can believe when God doesn't speak to you. You can believe when it looks like it's not going to work out. How many of you can believe when you can't understand? That's the whole point of this book right here. That's the whole point of our great faith that we had. Number four, great faith is believing when you can't understand. You'd be surprised all through this Bible how often he's done this. Let me just quote to you a verse in John chapter 20. There was a man named Thomas. He was one of the 12 disciples. Go ahead and tell me his nickname. Y'all are so hard on people. <laughs> he was known as Doubting Thomas. One incident in his life and you trash him for the whole thing. <laughs> Thomas was a great man. Thomas is the one who said when Jesus was going to Jerusalem, Thomas is the one who spoke up and said, let's go die with him. If he's going to die, I'm going to die with him. So he loved God greatly. But you remember when Jesus appeared to the 11 and Thomas wasn't there, or the, to him, Thomas wasn't there, and they said, Jesus is alive. And he said, unless I put my finger in the holes in his hands and I touch the hole in his side, I will not believe. What did Thomas say? I can't buy this stuff unless I have proof intellectually. And it wasn't long after that where Jesus appeared in the middle of him and he looked over at Thomas and he said, put you... I guess God like heard what he said. <laughs> you ever wonder if he heard your prayer? That y'all gonna see? Y'all gonna think I'm nuts? But I'm years ago. I'm a young believer, and I'm I'm wondering if he. I had this notion. I don't think he hears my prayers at times. You ever had a thought like that? I'm thinking one day. This please don't judge me. I'm thinking, I wonder if he hears my prayer. And then I thought, wait a minute. If I cussed, he'd hear it. <laughs> he hears your prayers no matter what you feel. And Jesus said, do you see that? Oh, he said, put your finger in that hole. And Thomas put his finger in there. And then Thomas believed. And he said, you're my Lord and my God. What did Jesus say in verse 29? Blessed are those who have no proof and can still believe. Blessed are those who are in the dark. Blessed are those who have never seen and still believe. What does blessed mean? God does things for people who can believe even when they don't understand. God's good to people when they walk by faith and not by sight. And that was his, uh, that was his great turning point in his life. Now, <clears throat> how many of you can have faith when God offends you? Sure we can. How many of you have expectations in this room? That's every single human being on the planet. We all have expectations. Let me make an announcement about this great God we serve. He don't care what your expectations are. He's going to do it the way he wants to do it. I just taught you 19 sermons right there. I just, we all say, we all have expectations even if we don't realize it or voice it. What are you going to do if he comes around the side door instead of the front door you want him to come through? 
What are you going to do if he didn't do it the way you think it ought to be done? See, if my daughter's this sick, you know what I'm thinking? I've heard about this man. I've heard how loving he is. I've heard how powerful he is. Let me tell you what I'm thinking. I'm going to go find him. And when I find him, I'm going to ask him and he's going to heal her. That's what I'm thinking. And I go up there and I ask him, he don't even answer me. And then he tells me it's not from, it's, he'll do it for others, but he won't help me. And then he's ugly to me. I didn't plan on God being ugly to me. Listen, you, you got to get over it. If you don't drop your expectations, you'll never know him. You've got to ditch your traditions and your expectations. The, uh, one of the great lessons he ever taught me in the Bible, do you remember in 2 Kings, there was a man by the name of Naaman. Naaman was the commander of the Syrian army. Now, where we were talking about Israel, here's the Sea of Galilee. To the right, the big country, excuse me, to the right. To the east is the big country called Syria. Naaman was the commander of the entire Syrian army. He was dying of leprosy. And a servant girl they'd captured said, there's a man in my country who can heal leprosy. Well, nobody had ever heard of that before. But Naaman believed her. He went and got a letter from his king and he goes to this prophet. The prophet's name was Elijah. He goes to his, uh, Elisha, he goes to his quarters and uh, he sends word. He said, and here's what he said, I have come that he might heal me. And he expected him to come out there and do it. And the, the prophet wouldn't go out to him. He sends a little servant out there by the name of Gehazi. And he said, uh, the prophet sent me out here to tell you to go jump in the river. Seven times. Remember what happened? The Bible said Naaman was furious. Who's he mad at? How many of you dying of leprosy, you ain't got time to be mad at nobody? He was furious. And uh, I want you to listen. This is one of, the most, one of the greatest lessons you'll ever learn. And Naaman turned in fury and walked away from the door. And he said, listen to these words. I thought surely he would come out here, wave his hand over me, and I would be healed. Did you hear that right there? How many of you expect God to do things a certain way? And then he won't do them. What do you do then? I thought surely, I just knew this is the way God would do it. Did God agree to help him? Yeah. Did he want to heal him? How come? All right, I'm going to ask you, how come God don't do it the way I think it ought to be done? There it is. Wouldn't life be much better if he'd just do it the way I think it ought to be done? You better get over that if you're going to walk with him. And Naaman said, this is the way I expected it to happen. And you know that sucker, excuse me, he almost died. He was so offended. They wanted the same thing, but they wanted to do it different ways. He almost died because he couldn't adjust to God's ways. And he marched off. He was going to die. And a little servant came up and said, <clears throat> If he'd asked you to give $10,000 to an orphanage, you'd have done it. If he'd asked you to do some great thing, you'd have done it. He said, why don't you just do it the way the man said to do it and see what happens. And something happened that humbled him. And the Bible said he went down and ducked himself in the river where the women were washing their laundry. You know, commanders don't run around in blue jeans. With all his medals and all his attire, he goes down there and dunks his head in that water. And the women are washing and they're watching this guy walk in and out, dunk his head under the water. I <laughs> never know that even if he helps us with what we need, he might work on our pride a little bit in the process of another lesson. They're watching him and he just, he, I don't know how he did it. He did not dive in. He said, dip himself. I guess he walked out there waist deep and went under and came back up and I'd do it seven times. You say, why seven? There you go again. <laughs> there you go again. Oh, who cares why? The goal is not to have God tell me how things should be done. The goal is to get healed. The goal is to see God move his mighty hand in my family and my life and the land. And the Bible said he came up the seventh time and his flesh was like a, new, like a little child, completely healed. And that changed his attitude, didn't it? He came back close to missing his miracle, not because God didn't love him, not because God wouldn't answer his prayer because he wanted God to do it his way. We have got to get off this expectation stuff. He's going to do it the way I want him to do it. I mean, know he'll always do it the way he did it yesterday. That's what's killing our churches right there. Let me tell you, what about, let me tell you something about the way he did it yesterday. The wind blows where it wishes, where he wishes, and you can't tell where he's going. Somebody tell me where the, which way the wind's going to be blowing March 15th of this year. 
you don't even know which way it's going to be blowing tomorrow. But I can promise you this, the wind changes directions, so does the king. And you've got to change with him. And the Bible said that Naaman almost lost his life over that thing. Can you keep your faith when God offends you and don't do it the way you expect him to? In your marriage, your family, your kids, your land. I turn a few pages to the left, Matthew chapter 11. Let me show you one of the craziest things in the Bible. You ever heard of John the Baptist? John was the first Baptist. That's where all the Baptists came from, John the Baptist. He started the Baptist church. John the Baptist. Uh, do you know who John the Baptist was? A lot of people, listen, John the Baptist was not the first prophet in the New Testament. He was the last of the Old Testament prophets. John the Baptist was the last prophet under the Old Covenant. Jesus said, the law is until John, and after John, the kingdom comes. John was the last Old Testament prophet. But John, the Bible said in John chapter 1, there was a man sent by God whose name was John. And John was a prophet. What was his responsibility? He was sent to tell people, he's right behind me. The, he's, he's, he went to say, God is coming. Make the way straight. And he said this, and he described him. You know, he'll, he'll cleanse the threshing floor. And he said, uh, I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes. But he said, God's right behind me. He said, God's, he said, the Messiah is coming. And John was sent to tell people the Messiah is coming. And that's why he started his ministry a few months in front of Jesus. And then one day John's baptizing. And John was rough. John, John was just hard. He preached a baptism of repentance. And one day John's baptizing and Jesus comes and says, baptize me. And John said, it's not right. John knew who he was. He said, no, I need to be baptized by you. Jesus said, permit it. And he baptized Jesus. Jesus came out of the water. The Holy Spirit came down on him. And what did John say? John pointed to the whole city and said, behold, the Lamb of God. That's him right there. That's the one I told you was come. John was the forerunner of the Son of God. He was sent to tell people, Jesus is right behind me. And we got here. John's job was to tell them, that's him. And numerous times he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I'm going to ask you a deep question. How many of you think John knew who Jesus was? Is this hard or what? All right, John goes to prison because he stuck his nose in politics. Should have left the king alone. And he goes to prison. And not many months after that, I want you to watch what happened in Matthew chapter 11. This is wild. Matthew chapter 11. Well, uh, when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, are you the coming one or do we look for another? What happened to John? All right, John's put in prison. Jesus begins his ministry just like John said he would. And John's hearing about Jesus and he sends a messenger and says, go ask him if he's the one that's supposed to be coming. What happened to John? Uh, something happened to him. I, I don't know. You know, he's the one that's supposed to tell the whole world that's him. And when he got on the scene, he said, that's him. And now he's wondering if he's even the Messiah. Watch this. The Bible said in verse 4, Jesus answered and said to them, Go tell John the things which you hear and see. And here's what he said, go tell him. Go tell him that the blind are seeing, lame are walking, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor get in the gospel preached to them. Watch this verse. Blessed is he who is not what? Offended by me. If you want me to bless you, you've got to stop being offended by me. Now, the reason John didn't, John was all messed up because John described Jesus as judgment. He said he's coming and his winnowing fan is in his hand and he's going to cleanse the threshing floor and he's going to burn the chaff up with unquenchable fire. And John preaches a message that God is coming and judgment's coming. Well, God shows up. John says that's him. John goes to prison and Jesus didn't bring judgment. What did Jesus bring? The law came through Moses, but grace came through Jesus. And instead of bringing judgment and burning the chaff up, Jesus goes around healing the sick, raising the dead, forgiving the sinners. A woman caught in adultery, he loves her, he helps her. Humble people hear the gospel preached. You get it? God's not acting like John thought he would. And John's offended by that. Because we all think we know how this thing's supposed to go. What if God don't do it the way you thought he would? What if he dumps the tables on you and everything's upside down? And I want you to look at this great verse, verse 6. Everybody needs to memorize this verse. Blessed is he. What does the word blessed always mean in the Bible? God will do great things for you is what blessed means. Blessed means God does things for you. But what's the one requirement for God to do great things for me? I can't be offended by the way he does it. 
Let me say it another way. I can't let the darkness stop me from believing. When I pray and I don't get what I want, I can't stop believing. When, when my life doesn't turn out like I planned, how many, of you got, how many of you planned your life? You know, got the right mate, here's your job, 2.4 children, all that mess. Is anybody in here on plan A over about three months old? And John was all through the Bible, you see this, where people thought, I thought surely, and all of a sudden God does an end around and it doesn't work like the way they thought it should and they get offended over this thing. And uh, there was Jesus just, how many people missed God and were offended by God because he wouldn't act like they thought he would? You ever heard of the Pharisees? Have you ever heard of the Pharisees? They're a great study because there's so much about them in the Bible. Did they recognize God when he walked on the earth? How come? Listen, they were waiting for him. They were preaching messages every Sunday. The Messiah is coming. They were waiting on the Messiah. He shows up. What'd they say about him? This man is not of God. Why did they miss God right in their midst? Somebody say it. He didn't act like they thought he should. Because, you know, they, they thought God would come and do this. And, and, you know, they were so dumped upside down. But one of the reasons was God is hanging around sinful people. God wouldn't do that. God actually healed a man on the Sabbath and we're going to kill him for it. Uh, isn't that crazy that the ministers went out and talked about how they could kill God? This is a strange book right here, isn't it? No, people are strange is what the deal is. Boy, if that old, that old country hymn is true, God is great, chicken sandwiches are good and people are crazy. That's the truth right there, isn't it? <laughs> and they were so offended. They were so offended they just... They missed their miracle and Pharisees went to hell. You'll never meet better people who served God more. They studied the Bible every day and then went straight to hell because God didn't act like they thought he would. All of us have got preconceived. This is the way I'd like it to be. You have to throw that in the trash and say where he leads me, I will follow. Whatever he does, doesn't matter to me. And you have to be able to be offended and still believe to be blessed. Let me, <laughs> just a quick example. I got saved and my life was changed when I was saved because when you get saved, you should be changed. <laughs> Did that offend you? When you get saved, you should be changed. What happened to everybody in the Bible that met Jesus? I'm going to say that again. What happened to everybody in the Bible that met Jesus? Did they have a radical change? I don't mean to offend any. I don't do anything but offend people. <laughs> uh, some, I'll never forget. I'm talking with a girl sometime back. She said, a man in my office died suddenly today. She said he was just 40 years old. He died suddenly. And I said, was he a believer? She said, I, I think so. I'm not sure. She said, I'm going to ask his wife. I said, how long did y'all work together? She said, eight years. I said, you're in a room with a man 40 hours a week for eight years, and you've got to ask if he's saved? What is wrong with American Christianity? What happened to everybody in that Bible that met Jesus? They were changed. And I was changed when I got saved. And uh, then I got called to preach, which offended me greatly. Because remember, I was going to be a patrolman. Shooting's more fun than meetings. Still is. Okay, but I agree. Yes, sir. Amen. Because let me, let me make an announcement. In the Christianity of the Bible, you have to obey him. I don't mean to offend you, but this American K&W Christianity where I get to pick what I like and reject what I don't, in the Christianity of the Bible, you have to obey him. You have to, you have to say the word Lord, which means I'll follow you. So I agreed to be a preacher because that's what he wanted. Well, okay, now I know what's going to happen. I'm going to be a preacher because I was a part of the Southern Baptist. You know, John the Baptist was our forebear. I was Southern Baptist. And that meant I was going to go through their schools, get their education, going to preach like Baptists preach. I would start out in a small church, move to a country church. I would end up in Charlotte in a big church one day. And at 65, retire, grow and croak. That's what Baptist preachers do. I want to make an announcement. Nothing has gone right. <laughs> Nothing. I mean, no, I end up in some place called Hall River, North Carolina. Everybody spells it H-A-L-L. -L. I have to know it's Hall I never even knew where it was. That was not in my plan. Nothing has gone right in my life since I met Jesus. I'm not complaining. Blessed is he who doesn't say, God, this is the way you got to do it. 
Blessed is he who's not offended by me. Blessed is he who turns the ropes loose and says, take this boat wherever you want to. I don't care as long as you're there. And you've got to turn it loose. You, he's not going to be your co-pilot. He's going to put you in a trunk and in handcuffs and lock it. And then he's going to drive you wherever he wants to. That's called faith. And you can holler from the trunk, where are we going? If you want to, he's not going to answer you. Amen. What's my only responsibility? Stay in the trunk. Keep your mouth shut. Just ride, dude, ride. I don't know. I don't know. Somebody asked me about my five-year plan here. Five-year plan? I don't know where I'm eating lunch tomorrow. What, what is a... I'm just in the trunk, Doc. That's all I know. I gave up on that stuff a long time ago because when I do plan something, he laughs and trashes it. See, this woman went to God expecting him to do something. He didn't do what she expected. But she did not let that stop her from believing. John got all messed up. Other people got messed up. Naaman almost got killed. But I want to show you one of the, I believe he's the great, it's the greatest picture of faith in the Bible. And you'll know about this. I believe it's the greatest picture of faith in the Bible. There's a book in the Bible that deals with only one subject, and it's this subject. What are you going to do when God offends you? What are you going to do when you're in the dark? It's the book about faith in the dark. Somebody tell me the name of it. Job. You ever heard of the man Job? That's a big book in the Bible. It covers 42 chapters, 40 some chapters. It's a great big book in the Bible. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with this. There was a man named Job. And let me tell you about this man. God said three things about him. He is a righteous man. He honors me and he stays away from evil. That's a pretty good guy. And God said that about him. Would you say Job was a good man? All right. Now you say, well, what about, no, 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 wait, wait a minute. Don't tell me that devil stuff. No. Me and you see that from scripture. Job didn't see none of that. All Job saw was, what happened to my children? All 10 of his children were killed. His, the, uh, the band came down, stole all of his animals, burned his crops. He lost everything valuable to him. And then he gets this disease and he's got boils on his body from his head to his feet. And he sits here and scrapes the boils with broken pottery. And his world is upside down, like few people you'll ever meet. And you say, well, I know, you know, that was the, wait a minute. He don't know that stuff. Remember, all Job saw was, I'm loving God and serving God. I got up, the Bible said he got up every morning and prayed. And all of a sudden, every one of his kids get killed. He loses his business, loses his wealth, loses his health. Would you call that being in the dark? That man loved God and served God and everything got dumped upside down. The only thing he didn't lose was the one thing he needed to lose. His wife. Now, I don't mean, I'm not being hard on Miss Job. You got to remember something. Miss Job came to him and she said, this is what your God does to you? This is what you get for following? I thought your God was good. And then she said to him, what? Why don't you curse God and die? If he's done this to, if he's done this to you, why don't you curse God and die? Remember, he can't see anything. He don't know anything about this heaven thing. I mean, the battle that took place in heaven. And let, I'm going to be easy on Miss Job. You got to remember, she was hurting because she'd lost her children too. So in, in defense of Miss Job, I'm not being ugly, but she was, she was wrong. See, she was offended because she followed God, but she got offended when life didn't turn out like she thought it should. And Job said to her, you speak like a foolish woman. And that's when he stood up and, and perhaps gave the greatest praise oration in the Bible when he stood up and he said these words, the Lord has given, the Lord has taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord. And the Bible said Job worshiped God in his what? Dark. How many of you know you lose every child you got, everything you got, you're sick, I don't even know that's darkness. Do you understand that? Do you think Job understood that? But you know what he did? I don't care what I see. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And he worshiped in his darkness. And the Bible said Job did not sin. He didn't curse God with his lips. And then we made a mistake after that. Three preachers showed up. Three theologians. They'd all been to seminary. And they sat down and for 38 long, miserable chapters, they discussed why things happen on this earth. It's humorous just to hear what they said. All the professors showed up and the four of them sat there, three of them, four of them sat there and discussed on and on and on. They went about why bad things, and they all had it all figured out. Finally, after 30, why so much of this in the Bible? I don't know. He's trying to say something here. After 38 chapters, God himself steps down and says, be silent. 
He said, I want to ask y'all some questions. He said, where were you when I fastened the universe down? And, and he said, where were you when I created that Leviathan who swims in the ocean? None of them can answer anything. And Job finally spoke up and said, I've been talking about stuff I really don't understand having. That's when he meant I put my hand over my mouth. And the Lord was smiled at him and blessed him and restored his fortunes double. Now, the most important book about Job is not in the book of Job. It's in the book of James. I want you to turn with me to James chapter 5. James chapter 5 is the most important verse about the man Job. People, I've heard people say Job is a complicated book. It's the simplest book in the Bible. It, it's, the, it's just the simplest book in the Bible. I think the preachers in there made it complicated. But Job chapter 5, verse 11 tells you and I something. And this is the only verse about, now he's mentioned in other places, but this is the only verse in the Bible that speaks about him except in the book of Job. James 5.11 says this, Indeed we count them blessed to what? Does your Bible say endure? How many of you would like, you know what the word blessed means? It means God does great things for them. How many of you would like to be blessed? Anybody would like for God to just put his presence on your life and let you know his peace and joy and freedom? And How many of you would like for him to bless you by knocking the boogers off your life? You know what I mean by that? What if he were to answer this prayer? Deliver us from the evil one. I mean, I think that'd be good if he'd just, let me even let the devil preach for a minute here. I'm quoting him. I'm not him. I'm quoting him. In the book of Job, the devil said to God, I can't touch Job. You've built a hedge around him, his family, his possessions, all that he's got. That's pretty good preaching, isn't it? How many of you like for God to build a wall around you where the enemy can't touch anything you got? your children, your possessions. Wouldn't that be good? That's called the blessing of God. How many of you like for God to bless your family and cause y'all to love each other and get along? How many of you like for God's spirit to come down and break the drama? They got a 13-year-old in their house. How many of you like for God to bless you at work and all that you put your hand to? That's what blessed means. It means God's presence comes and just does things for you. How many of you like that? Well, let's read that verse again. What does it say in verse 11? We count them blessed who what? Who what? It's the word say endure. Tell me the two things that always have to go together. If you're going to be blessed, you have to what? Endure. So I don't want to endure. Kiss your blessing goodbye. Now, this, is the, this is the message of American Christianity. It's not being told. Blessing and endurance have to go hand in hand. Where there's one, there will be the other. And then he gives an illustration. Here it is. You have heard of the perseverance of Job. How many think Job persevered? I don't know if that's a word for it or not, but I know this. That man, when, his, when everything inside of him says, I have trusted God and this is what happens to me. He didn't try to figure it out. He didn't blame God. He just worshiped through the whole mess. Listen to me. When you're in the dark, quit thinking and start worshiping. Quit trying to figure it out and trust God. And here's the point. He said, Job endured. He, we count him, he persevered through this whole thing. And the Bible said this. Watch these words. We've heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord. What's the word we mean in verse 11? God has shown us something. What do we see in the book of Job? What does it mean, the end intended by the Lord? We saw what God's intentions were to start with. God's intentions are never to hurt anybody. His intentions are never to break anybody. His intentions are to do what? Bless people and be good to people. They say, Brother Brian, if he's going to be so good, why do we have to go through this stuff? That's what we're talking about tonight. And you know what the answer is? I don't have a clue. I wish I did. I really don't need to know. All I need to know is the Lord is good. And I can trust him when I can't understand what's going on around him, on me. We've seen the end attended by the Lord that he's very compassionate and merciful. Verse 11 is something you need to hang on to. I prayed for people and things didn't happen. Is that going to cause me to stop praying and say prayer doesn't work? How many people have been offended by something that goes on in their lives, their families, their churches, and they turn sour against God and they give up on this God stuff? I could have told you it was coming. Question is, what are you going to do when you get offended by anything he does or people do? The question is, can you keep believing even when you don't understand? Even when you're in a place where it just don't make any sense, when, when, when it just, everything is upside down, can you keep on believing then? Now, let me make an announcement. I love, there's nothing I love on this earth more than to feel God close by. Can I get a witness? 
I love it when them Holy Ghost goosebumps come up all over me. I love it when the Spirit of God bombs me and, he, and He's just that real to me. And I love to, I love to pray and see miracles. Even There's times I prayed, didn't even expect it, and He did stuff. I love them times. Years, years ago, when I just started believing what the Bible said about people healing, I'm preaching one and I said, the Lord, Lord still heals today. This years, years ago. He still heals today. And uh, we we're going to have prayer time in our little church back then. And, and a lady comes down there and I knew she was, I knew she'd been going blind. She'd lost most of her sight, was going blind. And she came to walk right up to me and she said, well, if he heals, I want to be healed right now. And I thought, uh, I'm just learning this. I ain't had no training. And one of my elders, Rick Caudle, standing beside me, and I said, we're going to pray for her. And she just stood there. I mean, she, she thought I was telling the truth. And so I, I mustered up. I'm, I'm, I said, all right, we're going to pray for you right here. So I'm, I'm going to pray for her, and I'm trying to feel spiritual while I'm praying. Y'all ever done that? I'm having know to have your prayers answered. You've got to feel real spiritual while you're praying. And I'm trying to, Lord, Lord trying to get all worked up spiritually because you know the great faith comes when you feel something <laughs> well I'm, and not only that you ain't heard the worst part they're all sitting out there watching me <laughs> and this thought in my mind what if you pray here and she don't get I said what if I didn't feel a thing I, God wasn't within nine counties of me I'm, I'm like the woman he answered me not <laughs> nothing and I'm just thinking ooh I shouldn't have said this tonight I shouldn't have said nothing until I learned more I felt like Simon when Jesus said, get out of the boat and walk, sucker. And so I mustered up. I got, you know, you can always tell when somebody's trying to get spiritual, they, they go on for a long time before they finally ask for what they're asking for. So I'm trying to muster up faith and I'm praising God because of his goodness, waiting to feel something. I didn't feel nothing. I thought, well, go and get it over with. I'm, I'm being serious. And uh, putting my hands on her head and I prayed, Lord, just believe. And I, I forget what I prayed. Got done and, and uh, I got done. I said, amen. I'm thinking, well, she said, let me have your Bible. I handed her my Bible. She started reading it. I mean, she was healed just like that. And I went, dang. <laughs> now I'm being sort of cute, but that happened. And last time I checked, she still sees fine. And she later brought a doctor's uh, thing that showed me how her eyes were clear. And I just thought, to remember what I said there. I got to remember how I said that because that worked right there. I said, y'all got that recorded? I got to remember that one. Maybe no, it was not the prayer. Has anybody got a sneaky suspicion it was more on her faith than mine? Thanks. Thanks a lot. That's wonderful. Here's the whole point. I love it when God works miracles the way I expect him to. I love it when I feel his presence. I love it when y'all do right. <laughs> it just makes me so happy when y'all do right which is pretty rare, but I do love it when y'all do right. I just love it when it makes sense. I want, every, I want to understand. It's my human nature to want to understand all this stuff. I do not like it when everything's dumped upside down. Who cares? Till you reach a place where you say, I don't care. I don't care how he does it. I don't care if I understand it or not. I am not going to stop believing and he is not going to offend me if he don't do it the way I want it done. Only then, what happened to everybody in the Bible that would not be turned away when they didn't understand? We've seen the end intended by the Lord that he is gracious and full of compassion. I want y'all to reach the place of maturity where you say, I don't have to feel nothing. His word stands whether I feel anything or not. I got people I've been praying for for 20 years now. And guess what I've seen? Nothing. And how many times has this gotten in my head? You might as well give up. He's not going to answer you. He did it for other people. He's not going to do it for you. And you know what I've learned to do in those times? Pray again. I am not going to stop praying. You say, after that long, let me tell you something. I am not going to be offended by how he does it. I'm going to believe him to tell the truth. I'm going to live by faith in that word and nothing else. And I pray to reach the place. I can do that now, but I want to reach the place like Job. By the way, that's why the book of Job is in the Bible. It's in the Bible to teach me and you something. I want to reach a place where I can do like Job when everything falls apart and instead of asking somebody to help me understand, I just say silence and I stand up and say, I praise you if everything collapses. I don't care. You are great and greatly to be praised and I'm going to worship you and if we go to the bottom of the ocean, we're going to go down hollering what a friend we have in Jesus. We're going to trust him. 
Man, listen, do you know how you take the club out of your enemy's hand when you say he tells the truth no matter what I feel? I don't care what it is. And so that's when we find ourselves in the darkness. And many a time we've been there. I get there on occasion. And when I get there, I know this. Quit thinking and start reading. And go back to that word and trust him. All right, Lord Jesus, I just want to praise you and thank you tonight for your word and your goodness. I'll be honest with you, I love when you're close by. I love the joy of Jesus. I love the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I love it when I see miracles. I love it when I pray and see things happen. I just love when everything goes like I thought it would. But dear Jesus, there have been times in my life where nothing went right. I prayed and nothing happened. I prayed for people and they didn't change. I prayed for people and they died. I don't have to understand those times. I just know this. You are who you say you are, no matter what I see. And Lord Jesus, this woman that you said had great faith, can I ask you a question? Why did you put that in the Bible? If it had just been something you did for her, it wouldn't have been in the Bible. Because you said the Bible is to teach us about you. You wouldn't tempt me. You wouldn't tease me. And I praise you that you put that in the Bible to teach me even when it looks like the answer is no, even when it looks like somebody else is going to get it, but you're not, do not stop believing in my goodness and do not stop praying and believing me for you and your family and the people and your land. And I give you the praise and glory and honor. And I want to pray for people in this room tonight that are here. And some of them are in darkness right now. They've watched other people's marriages get healed. Theirs hadn't. They've watched other people's mates get saved. Theirs hadn't yet. They've watched other people have great things happen, but theirs hadn't happened yet. I pray for the Spirit of God, not necessarily to engulf them, but speak to their hearts through your word and say, I am no respecter of persons. My promise stands for everybody. Let them know your word stands. I trust you for that. And I, I just, in Jesus' name, we want to have the faith of this woman who said, nothing is going to stop me from believing God to be good to me. And we're going to live in your goodness because of who you are. We'll give you all the praise and glory. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.